Sure, baby boy would one day walk on water. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you deliver will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know storm with his hand. Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Oh, Mary, did you know? Yeah. 
Turn to Psalm 100 this morning. We'll read the entire psalm, five short verses. Psalm 100, beginning at verse 1. Psalm 100 and verse 1. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. In this short psalm, we're given seven elements of the worship of God. And then we're given five reasons that he is worthy of our worship. So let's consider very briefly these seven elements that are found in this psalm, seven elements of our worship. The first one is a joyful shout. The second one, serving the Lord with gladness. The third one, coming into his presence with singing. Number four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Number five, Enter his courts with praise. Number six, to be thankful to him. And then number seven is to bless his name. We'll consider those, each one. But then let's look at the the five reasons. I'll give them to you. Those who like to take notes, I wanted to give those to you. So you'll have them as we go through them. But there are five reasons also given in this psalm why God is worthy of that kind of worship. The first one is, he's Lord, that is Jehovah, the one who exists in and of himself. The second one, he's God. He is the sovereign over all. Thirdly, he's our creator. He made us, not we ourselves. And then the fourth one, he's our owner. We belong to him. He redeemed us. He bought us. And then the fifth one is, he is our shepherd. So let's look at at these truths that are found in this short psalm. We built this building that it might be a place that is dedicated to worshiping the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That's why we went to all the trouble to do what we did here. But if we're going to truly worship in a way that honors God and that he approves of, 
We need to learn to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so as we assemble ourselves together in in this local assembly, in this building, it's for the purpose of teaching us how to worship in spirit and in truth. And not just to do it in this building, but when we leave here, we are to worship God in spirit and in truth with our life, the very way that we live our life. Our relationships, our associations need to be according to what God has revealed to be true, that we might worship in spirit and truth. So that's, that's why we're here. That's why it's important that we are here. And so as we look at these seven elements of worship and why God is worthy of them, we'll understand that it, it was worth all the time and energy and money to build this building. We can get caught up in the building, and it is a beautiful building. I am so glad to be in this building. But it really isn't about the building, and that's not why I'm so glad. These past two years have been difficult for everyone. But as a pastor, I realize there's been some spiritual losses because we haven't been able to exercise the kind of worship that our God is worthy. So my joy and my relief in being in this building is is not its beauty, but that it's a place where God's people can meet and know that God is real, where we can be strengthened and encouraged to go out and live for God. The first thing that's mentioned here is a joyful shout. Our worship of God should be joyful and zealous. People are zealous and passionate about so many things in this life. Turn on the football game today. You'll see people that are zealous, passionate, joyful, shouting, go team, as if they had some real input. And sadly, I guess some people do have bets on the thing, but... But you don't pay them. They don't work for you. We have kind of a running joke in our house. Uh, you're just rooting for laundry. They've got my jersey on. You don't know those people. And yet people yell for them, go. But our praise should be exuberant for our God. He's worthy. In the book of Revelation, we read that the praises of God's people in heaven, they're going to be like the sound of many waters. If you've ever been close to a a large waterfall, you know it's pretty loud. And some people, they're uncomfortable when we take time to raise our hands and worship the Lord. And, and oh, that's, that's weird. Well, you're not going to be real comfortable in heaven if that's a problem. Because heaven is going to be filled with joyful shouts. Glad that they accepted the gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. We're not to be shy about letting people know that we worship the Lord Jesus Christ and he's worthy of it. We identify with him and we identify with his ways as revealed in the word of God. And so when we take time to worship the Lord in our worship services, don't be afraid to lift your voice. You may not be one who is just by nature a a boisterous person, but don't be afraid just to lift your hands and to vocally Express how much you appreciate who God is and what he's done for you. Titus 2, verses 13 and 14. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. We read these words, Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us 
from every lawless deed and purify for for himself his own special people. But what kind of people? Zealous for good works. A joyful shout. The second element of worship that we see in this 100th Psalm is serving the Lord with gladness. Our service to the Lord should be done eagerly, without hesitation, not not begrudgingly, but serve the Lord with gladness. I'm glad to be able to assemble myself together in the name of Jesus. I'm glad to be able to go out and minister to others who have needs. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Colossians 3 and verse 23. And whatever you do, murmur and complain about it because nobody else would do it, so you had to do it. Wait wait a minute. You didn't read that, did you? That's not what it says, but that's sometimes the way we approach our service to the Lord, isn't it? Yeah. We need to be honest with ourselves so that we can allow the Lord to change us. Whatever you do, do it heartily with all of your heart, with gladness. As to the Lord and not to men, when you purpose in your heart to be an instrument used of God to minister to others, to help others, not just materially and physically, though those things will be a part of, but ultimately for them spiritually. If we just help people out materially and without actually helping them spiritually, we really haven't helped them. So our ultimate goal is always First of all, to lead them to Christ, and then if, if they're saved, to, to show them how God has provided for us to live a life of victory and joy and peace. But when you purpose to do that, guess what's going to happen? Sometimes people aren't going to like it. They're not going to appreciate it. This is why we do everything we do as unto the Lord. He never has failed you. He will always be faithful to reward Serve the Lord with gladness. We need to come into his presence with singing. Have you ever noticed that when you're, you're happy, you've received some good news or something, something good is happening, you kind of find yourself humming or whistling, or sometimes you just burst out in song because you're happy. And it's just a way that we, we express. This is why we sing the songs that we sing, spiritual songs, because we know that God is worthy. Colossians 3, once again, but let's go to verses 16 and 17. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This is why we sing. We sing unto him. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So singing is good, even if if you're tone deaf. I've known over the years some, some Christians that cannot sing a lick. No matter what you do, they cannot match a note. And it's not pleasant to listen to them sing, but it is pleasant to the Lord. This is why he says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Because singing is, and and again, some of those who can't sing, they love to sing. Because there's just a joy, the joy of the Lord within them. Don't hesitate. You may not be have the gift of special singing like Sister Ashley and Sister Annabelle. That is a gift from the Lord. You may not have that, and that's all right. 
But the Lord enjoys your singing because it's an expression of your joy and your thanks. Then we are told to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now, in the psalmist day, when this was written, this call to enter his gates was a call for the Jews to enter the city of Jerusalem to offer sacrifices of of thanksgiving, especially during their annual feasts. God demanded that his people have these feasts, seven of them, every year. And in all of those feasts, he commands them to be joyful. It's interesting that God has to command us to be joyful when he's given us so many reasons to be joyful. And so this this call, enter his gates with thanksgiving, was a call for the Jews to go down, or actually to go up to Jerusalem and to offer these sacrifices of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a sign that you, you... understand the value of what God has given you. When you're thankful for something, you understand the value of it and your appreciation for it. Do you understand what God's done for you? Do you understand the value of it? Do you appreciate the eternal life, that that hope that goes beyond all of this, the trials of this life and goes beyond death itself? You have eternal life. Express that thanks to the Lord. And then there's so many other daily benefits that he loads upon us. Today, we don't have to go up to Jerusalem to express our gratitude, but entering the gates today could correspond to us entering these doors of this new building. You know, when you take time out of your busy schedule, and we, we all have busy schedules, but when you take time out of all of your other schedules just to come to assemble in a local assembly like this, you're saying that I value what God's done for me. He's worthy of me taking time just to come to give him thanks. And other people are going to notice that. Has anyone ever asked you, especially when we had like four meetings a week, anyone ask you, why do you go to church so often? People don't understand it. I've got more things to do. I work hard all week and then I, I just need some time to myself. But why do we come? Why do we carve out time? Because I'm thankful for what God's done for me, and I want him to know it. I want others to see that I value what he's done for me. Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25. This is God's instruction to us. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We should assemble ourselves together in a local assembly like this for ourselves so that we might be fed spiritually. So we come for ourselves, but we also come for the one sitting next to you, that they might be encouraged, that they might see that, you know, this, this life dedicated to the Lord, it's, it's worth it. So we come for one another and to encourage one another to continue to walk in the things that God has, has provided for us. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is closer than it's ever been. We see the events that's going on in the Middle East with Israel. We know that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is connected directly with his earthly people, Israel. I don't know that the current 
events that are taking place are going to lead to that coming of the Lord. Antichrist coming first to present himself as God and then Jesus coming in glory. But before that, he comes, Jesus comes for his people. I don't know. I just know it could happen today. There's nothing in scripture. There's no prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled that in a moment, in an instant, Jesus could come. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and so much the more, not less, as you see the day approaching. So may we come enter his gates with thanksgiving and say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Enter his courts with praise. The phrase his courts, it was a reference to the temple itself in Jerusalem. His courts today could correspond to us coming into the very presence of God through prayer, as we see in Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 19 to 22. When we come into God's presence through prayer, whether it be public as today or in your private, come into his presence with praise. Hebrews ten nineteen. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Our prayer life should be characterized with praise. Some people, especially that might come to know the Lord later in life, and those of us that have been raised in church, we know what prayer is, and we've heard people pray, and we've learned to pray from their example. Some people may not know how to pray, and that's understandable if you grew up not praying. But our prayer life is just the privilege of having a conversation with God. You don't have to try to impress God with your words. God sees and knows your heart. When you come to God in prayer, just take time to express. Start out with praise. Enter his courts with praise. Acknowledge who Jesus is. Jesus, you are the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, that took away my sin. Praise God the Father who sent his Son. God so loved the world. Thank you, God. That you sent your son to die for me. Just begin to express. When your child or friend or someone does something good, you know how to praise them, right? Just thank God and praise him vocally with your voice in your prayer time. And then when we take time for the public praise, you don't have to try to pray like everybody else. You just express your praise, your acknowledgement of who God is and what he's done for you in your own words. And he'll accept that praise. Be thankful to him, number six. This is a repetition of number four of thanksgiving. But this gives us an emphasis of expressing our thanks directly to God. Be thankful to him. You know, it's possible to be, be thankful, for example, for, I can say, You know, I'm thankful for my good health without acknowledging that my life and my health is in the hands of God. And so it's it goes beyond just being thankful. I'm thankful for this, which, you know, basically we're saying, I'm glad I got this. But be thankful to him because we have nothing. We are nothing apart from him. Acts 17 
verses 24 and 25. Acts 17, verses 24 and 25. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands like those idols that the Greeks made and built their temples. Our God doesn't need any of that. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. I'm thankful for this beautiful day, but I know who gave it, and I want to thank him. I thank God for all the blessings that he gives us just to be able to wake up and breathe the oxygen that he himself created from nothing. Number seven, bless his name. The word bless literally means to kneel in worship. So to bless his name is is to humbly acknowledge his power, his authority, his sovereignty, his worthiness, the worthiness of his name, Jesus, that name which is above every name. There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved. I bless his name. Today, the name of Jesus is so often used in vain as a swear word or an expression of shock or disappointment during the construction. I heard it every day. It's like, I'll be glad when we can cleanse this place. (laughs) For the child of God, the name of Jesus is to be, be spoken with reverence, awe, affection, and humility. We bless his name. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven and those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Bless his name. Precious name. The five reasons given in this psalm why God is worthy of that kind of praise. First and foremost, he's Lord. In the Hebrew, it's Jehovah, which means the one who exists in and of himself. He's always been. Hebrews 13, 8. Hebrews 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because he always was, he always is, and he always will be. He's Jehovah. He's Lord. That's why he's worthy. And this one who's always been, who always is, and who always will be, he's the one who's promised to take care of everything I need. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Why would I not want to give thanks, bless his name, serve him with gladness? Why would I hesitate? Why would I be shy about my service and my praise of him? The second reason is he's God. He's sovereign. He's over all. There's no power greater than he. He is the almighty God, which means all the promises that he's made to me in this life and in eternity. There's not a power that can overthrow those purposes. Not one, not death, not cancer, not whatever else you may be experiencing. Nothing can cause God not to fulfill his promise that all things are working together for your eternal good. You, you can't find that peace anywhere else. If you look to your circumstance and your situation for you to feel okay, you're going to be disappointed. But when you look 
to the faithfulness of God, the one who's over all. I've never understood how there many unsaved people, how they curse God when something bad happens. They curse God. They get bitter. They say that God doesn't exist. Well, if God doesn't exist, why are you mad at him? It, it makes no sense. And if he does exist, don't you think it's a little foolish to get angry with him? If he is God. But for the child of God, that eternal, powerful God is our protector. Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-seven. Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. The eternal God. He's going to be around a while. The eternal God is your refuge. And underneath are his everlasting arms. They never get tired. He will thrust out the enemy before you and will say destroy. He's worthy of your praise. He's worthy of your thanks. He's worthy of your service. The third reason given is he is our creator. He made us, not we ourselves. You ever heard someone say, well, he's a self-made man? No, he's not. God created us in his own image. And as our creator, he knows what we need in order to enjoy all the purposes for which he created us. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. And he gives us access to his understanding and to his help. And he never gets tired. He is our creator. Therefore, he's worthy of our praise, our thanks and our service. It's foolish not to thank the Creator, not to bless His name. He knows why we were created. It, to, to not acknowledge God as your Creator is as foolish as trying to put sugar water in your gas tank in your car. It wasn't made for that. It's going to mess things up. If you don't acknowledge God in your life as your Creator and understand you owe Him all that you are, Things aren't going to work right in your life. He is our owner. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He's worthy of our praise because he bought us. You say, well, that doesn't sound good. The Apostle Paul even talks about being a slave of the Lord. That doesn't sound good. Well, once you understand what life is all about, you thank God you're a slave of love. Because every man, woman, and child on this planet is a slave of somebody. They're either a slave to sin or they're a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we were slaves to sin, we were condemned. We were the enemies of God. Sin is a cruel taskmaster. Oh, it promises a lot of joy and a lot of good things, but it leads to death of all kinds, pain, scars. But Jesus bought us out of that slave market once and for all, he, and the price he paid was his own blood. He laid down his life for me, that I might have eternal life. He now is my master, but the thing about this master is that he has promised to provide everything I need to have his best in this life and in eternity. That's my new master. I'm glad. Jesus is Lord. I want to make him, allow him in a very practical way to truly be the Lord of my life. 
His word is the last word. We belong to him. Serve him with gladness. Lastly, he is our shepherd. Psalm 23 and verse 1, you're all familiar with that. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord Jehovah is my shepherd. I shall not want. What, what a boast. This psalm is so familiar to us, we don't always take time to really dig into it. But to understand who wrote this, King David, who was a mighty, powerful, successful warrior, who was a rich and powerful king, who as a young man was a shepherd and knew what was involved in shepherding sheep and how stupid sheep are, how much sheep need a shepherd. David knew all of that. And he gladly says, I'm just a frail, fragile, needy sheep, but the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack anything that I need. He's worthy of your praise. He's your protector. He's your provider. He's everything that you need. And when this life is over and we face that, should the Lord not come before we go by the way of the grave, when we face our own mortality, when we face our own death, we know that our shepherd's going to go through that valley with us and take us to the other side, which is not death, but eternal life. As our Lord, our God, our creator, our owner, and our shepherd, he's good and merciful, the psalmist says. And his truth endures forever. You can trust his word because he's God, because he's Lord, because he's your owner who loves you, because he's your shepherd. You can trust his word. It's everlasting. His truth. His truth is as true and reliable as it was for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For Moses, David, Peter, and Paul. I can trust him today on that same word. And I can live with confidence and boldness. And so, saints, for all of these reasons and a million more, let's learn to serve the Lord with gladness.